0: Play at Hello and a warm welcome to another edition of Jump To It, our Irish Angles show with, in association with Novibet. As usual, I have Emma Nagel, Johnny Ward with me here, and we've only got two weeks now to Cheltenham, so it's all getting very exciting. Uh, Emma, Johnny, I hope you both had a good week in the last week. Um, we've... Lots of things to talk about this week going back through the race, and there was some very interesting things. So maybe we just start off and we'll kick through it and go back in it in the order it took place in. So last Wednesday, Punchestown, a couple of interesting things there for me anyway. Majestic Force um, of Henry de Bromhead's was a winner. Now gets into the picture for the Mayor's Novice um, at Cheltenham. And Gallim was beaten, uh, well beaten again, actually, by Hispanic Moon, another de Bromhead horse. Henry de Bromhead had a very good week. Emma, what did you make of that Gallim Orso particularly?
1: Yeah, I was disappointed with Gadamer, So to be honest, um, it's kind of hard to see her getting back into that mayor's hurdle picture, kind of so close to the festival. I think I actually listened to like a part of a Cheltenham preview. there where Michael O'Sullivan was on on Thursday, and they said something showed up with her. I think is what he said. But now even at that, you'd think it's a short enough turnaround to kind of get her right and get her back for the mayor's hurdle. Um. Even though it is Winnie Mullen, so you wouldn't be doubting too much. Like the, I actually really liked the winner. I liked her the first time she won in Town back at the start of the season. She disappointed then in Leopardstown afterwards. But I'd say on her day she's a right mare. Um, I think she was actually won over fences as a three-year-old in France. Um, obviously it's I think it's her third one for Henry. But she was kind of a, like like a progressive bear. I'd say probably one for for fencing next year. Um more so than Hurling, she looks like a big kind of strapping mare, but yeah, Garlene Marceau was a big disappointment, and you mentioned Majestic Force as well, she was impressive, you know, she was getting weed from Dr. Eggman, who does like seem to seem to love um losing, uh, He kind of hard, yes. hard to win with him now at this stage, and that Mayor's nervous hurdle is really, really hot, but she does look like another nice mare for Henry, who who seems to have plenty, plenty of them at the moment.
0: Yeah, he's he's hitting form at the right time, Johnny, isn't he? Henry de Bromad, he seems to do this, each of the last couple of years he's done the same.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um there was a good performance from Majestic Force. So I suppose the, the 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 thing about the race in Ireland of, of Lays been I mean, the ground has been so bad that I I'd um I'd just be willing to forgive Gallimar so maybe to, to an extent as well. It was it was a bit keen in that race and just like some of the distances, horses are just not hand, finishing very, very tired, like on the on, on on ground that has just really, really gotten deep and hasn't had much let up and maybe finally is a little bit. But um, Hispanic Boone was very good. And um, you know, the the rate structure of the race, I, I was surprised at how short Gallimar so was. Um, looking back here, she was what 10-7 and the, the the winner was uh. Was she was 11, 7 The winner was 10 12, given nine pounds as well. Um, good performance. And yeah, Majestic Force was very good. Like, I I, I, I kind of don't know how good Mr. Eggman is, but Majestic Force won readily. And uh, I thought it was a good ride as well from Rachel. And yeah, Henry DeBraham had certainly hit in, time, hit in form at the right time.
0: Yeah, we move on to Turles Thursday. Marsh Wren, that was a nice bit of placing, wasn't it? Stuart Edmonds and Kieran Gettings, who's originally from Tinahili in Wicklow. He went over to England at the age of 16, his first winner in Ireland when the horse won. He said, one interesting thing about Marsh Wren, I thought, was about the performance. He said, the fences are stiffer in Ireland. I would have thought Thurles had about the easiest fences we have in the country. They're like little mini hurdles. Anyway, um, the other one there, of course, in Thurles, was Staffordshire Knot, which is a Calwell dispersal horse. Uh, Gigginstown paid $510,000 for this, that recent sale, and it got beat. What about that, Emma? Money well spent
1: yeah i suppose it looked like he isn't a bad horse in fairness who beat him um maybe like he was odds on favor Staffordshire. not maybe that was kind of influenced by the price he cost um he did he does look kind of expensive now on the back of that though to be fair but there were some good performances in Thurlis, like you said i thought the the english runner coming over was kind of the highlight of, highlight of the day there i thought um it was just great placing and it's not something we see happen too often at the big meetings never mind kind of a, a quiet thursday in Thurlis. you don't see them coming over and she did it well, and it was great to see Kieran getting, getting that winner in Ireland. I don't know has he ridden in Ireland before? I presume he might have had a couple of rides, but um, it was nice for a kind of a, a, a Wicklow a Wicklow lad to come over and get his first winner after being fairly su- successful over in the UK and Washmount as well was probably another good enough performance from there, kind of boost that Lecky Watson form coming up to the Albert Bridgelet and kind of one one that I was really impressed by was actually the ride of Tony Quayle on small craft warning in the ladies handicap hurdle. I think we kind of mentioned briefly last week, you you mentioned about um, lady riders being underrated. I haven't really seen Tony ride a whole pile, to be honest, but yeah, after seeing her there, I'd say she definitely you want to keep on side um, for any of those lady races in particular, or any just any um, amateur rider race. She looks really, really strong.
0: Great stuff. Yeah. Johnny, what did you make of Thoris? A good placing by Stuart Edmonds, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I, I kind of fancied that horse actually, just on the basis of that um, I was worried that um, the favourite in the race just mightn't uh, mightn't be entirely in love with that ground. Um, Emania Maker, when she was. Uh when she was touched off at Limerick at Christmas, she sort of seemed to struggle on it. Then she turned, she was better the last day, but that was, uh, that wasn't quite the, the same test as this. And um, I thought the ride was very good on the, on the winner and um, very good forms actually. For, it was, it was a great race to watch though. Cause Lola came there under Sean Flanagan, was having a great run under for Gavin Cromwell. Marsh Rin coming over was, was real interesting place. And I, I, I just felt maybe that if she got into a rhythm, she'd be able to hold on, but she, uh, she came over to win a, a pot of 18 grand and, um, like, I don't know if, if Willie had Ant really entered in the race, but, like, the, it wasn't actually a great purse for a listed race, and to have a, a, a I, I, I had to look twice to see on the screen that um, that uh, Stuart Edmonds was coming over to an Irish midweek meet, that you had a, a trainer coming over, and then winning, and, like, it, it definitely added to the spectacle of Thurlis, like, um, and it's, it's good to see that Enterprise and, um, training rewarded because a lot of british trainers are running scared um of coming over to Ireland at all including the dublin racing festival so it was a really good race a good spectacle and she got into a great jumping rhythm and harmonia makers probably had a few hard races the, the program for these mayors is completely insane there seems to be like a a, um, a pattern race for them every second week at the moment there's just so many opportunities for mares at the moment um and it was good to see a british raider come over and win one yeah i agree
0: Uh, then we move on dundalk friday not a huge amount happening there but tony martin and john breslin landing a bit of a touch with nibiru um daniel king rode that 40 to 1 into 12 to 1 and i must say i thought he gave it a great ride in person uh got up by a nose so they land a touch first one tony martin's had in a while i'd say since probably galway whenever um anyway moving on to saturday big big fish there i am maximus what did you make of that, emma nine to four to evens in a, in a four-runner race beats Vanillier. what 14 lengths or something made a mistake at the last though.
1: i suppose it was kind of a funny enough race um and he's a horse i can't figure him out at all i'd say he probably has any amount of ability like definitely a massive engine i think we even said he could develop into a gold cup horse next year but he's just the way he jumps is so so strange um even the mistake at the last, like, it was as if he kind of just lost concentration coming down to it or something. I'd say he had loads left even finishing it out. And um, it was an impressive performance now, to be honest, because, like, on, on the weights, Vanillier was actually well in with him. I think he's only rated about £7 inferior, and he was getting, I think, the got to £12 from Io Maximus on the day. So, it was a big performance, and, like, he's in the Grand National now. He's got a decent weight and he's just kind of that kind of horse you could imagine he he could go on and do anything. He just has that massive engine. And the way the fences are now at the moment, um he should have he shouldn't have too much of a problem getting around there, you'd imagine.
0: Well, here's a question for you, Johnny. Right? Willie Mullins, um, regarded as probably the greatest trainer we've ever seen, certainly in the national hunts sphere anyway. And yet he'd horses during the week. Garlam or so didn't jump well. I am Maximus jumped terrible. Uh what's the other one? Toon Visitor. That one later in the week jump terrible as well An awful mistake at the last what's he actually doing is he actually training these to jump at all like what what does what's the what is the job of a racing national hunt trainer are they supposed to teach their horses how to jump the hurdles and the fences but it doesn't seem to bother Willys. they still win
2: <laughs> yeah i i think i maximus is completely low on himself like i'm surprised actually surprised the horse was 9 to 4 and um, i didn't realize just looking at race here, here was 9 to 4 and um, but i i thought that race was very very tough to solve because, like Emma, like I am Maximus, he's such a tendency to jump left, the ground was so bad, um, and he's a bit of a low on to himself. Uh, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Vanilla has obviously been trained for entry, but um, the other horses you mentioned, Gallimar, so I'd given out to the horse you mentioned at Nace, you know, motivator horse off the flat. Willie, by all accounts, he doesn't overschool them, um, he really doesn't overschool them, and he often they, they kind of are they're tasked with learning their job at the racetrack, and he has very good jockeys to help them do that. Um, and I, I'm not sure, I think there's there's was definitely good debate to be had here. If you sat four trainers around the room, four top trainers, say Gavin Cromwell, uh, Henry De Bromhead, Gordon Elias, and Willie Mullins, say, what do you do in terms of your schooling? Because Henry De Bromhead has a loose schooling routine in in, in, in indoor down in um, County Waterford, where his horses more or less go into the ring on uh, on their own and jump the obstacles in front of them and absolutely love it and are, are extensively schooled. Willie doesn't do that at all, as far as I know. Um, And the other two are probably quite similar or might be similar enough in terms of what they do. But it's really interesting. I, I would give Willie an out on I am Maximus, though I actually don't think anyone could train this horse to do anything right,
0: apart from yeah. being very good. <laughs> well, the one thing you, you, you do have to say about Henry de Bromhead's horses, when they go over fences, they tend to be extremely well schooled. don't they? they mm. all jump. impeccably the other one is i know that historically hearing about trainers some trainers with those three-year-old hurdlers never put them over a hurdle before they saw it in a race used to be the thing Mm. years ago that that first one in roscommon in september or whatever (laughs) used to be chaos in that race and so i i don't really know what trainers actually do Um, in the sense of school and emma you'd have a better idea what does your dad do does he school them all day
1: uh no, it kinda depends on the horse, I suppose. Like some horses don't need to be schooled at all. Maybe just give him a pop a couple of days before the race to let remind them of what they're doing. But I suppose some horses do need a lot more school than the others. I don't like like Johnny said, I think Willie's kinda known for not doing a whole pile with them unless they badly need it. Um maybe he might be due a trip down to end the Bulgiers some summertime there from JP Iron Maximus if he's gonna make a Gold Cup for us next year.
0: All right, we'll, we'll move on. The final race in the week was Nace on Sunday, and there was some cracking racing there. Fernie Hollow, over two years off the track. Johnny, what did you make of that? Great to see the horse back in first, and then maybe Cheltenham on the plans.
2: Yeah, I thought this was a really, really taken performance. The... That- <clears throat> I tipped the runner up in the race because I, I felt that there was it was much of a muchness if you took out Fernie Hollow and it was kind of um obviously you needed and when you're taking on a Willie Mullins hotbot normally you're 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 um you're you're hoping for the best at best, I suppose. And the market strength of Fernie Hollow, I was thinking before the race that, you know, it was gonna do well if Rebel Gold could run well. He did run well because you know, it was a race that was run at a good clip, but really it was sort of a it was a grade three and that's what it was if you took out Fernie Hollow. The rest of them are, are sort of grade two, grade three horses. Um, you know, it was another race that was kind of strangely because Astury Meadow was put in at something like thirteen to eight in the race, despite the fact this was like two miles on on heavy ground, completely ill suited to him. Um for all that it was hard to know how good fernie hollow was 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 going to be he was off that long but he just tanked through the race and he was a little bit i i was taking him on because i thought he, he can be quite hard on himself and he was kind of hard on himself early in the race but he just tanked through the race and it was a brilliant performance and um this is a horse with so much ability he's, he's superb to watch in his day i was always a big fan of him and um, obviously his brother is an office hurdler at the moment as well and interesting how he gets on the 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 performance of the day if not for any hall for me was of secrets um, mm-hmm. and again this was a race that was kind of if, if you if you if you'd back to horse uh, earlier thinking that there was great value because the favorite had been put in so short the favorite then would that uh, was pulled out Vinnie, so there was a massive rule four but i i did an interview for um the irish Fields um Shelton magazine with gavin cromwell uh, a couple of weeks ago and he's very very keen on this horse he really really liked him and it was just a question of getting him out and it was funny watching the race because I, I was thinking down the back straight this i don't think this horse is really traveling um and then at the second last sean flanagan just got after him very briefly and he, he literally put the race to bed in the space of seconds gavin said afterwards then that he's like a, a horse that kind of just he's very very good mind not an next flat horse type i thought it was an exceptional performance very interesting if he goes children between him and Fernie hollow with class action yesterday, including the bumper as well, which I think is interesting to talk about, maybe the favourite disappointed.
0: Yeah, the, the bumper wingman um, was the favourite. Short enough price, had, had one first time out when it was very free. They stuck a hood on it, and it was even freer, I thought, yesterday. It uh, Didn't get home was the bottom line there, but the winner was very impressive. William Money, Barry Connells, beat one of Willie's um, short header ahead in Navin the previous day and absolutely sluiced him garden to Barry Connell who's always good for a one-liner best bumper horse in the country and doesn't go to Cheltenham what do you make of that, Emma
1: yeah Barry Connell he never lacks confidence in fairness um yeah this this lad was good the last time he won as well and um, when he beat uh Willie's horse he had a chance so kind of I suppose not really surprised it's getting kind of close to Cheltenham now like you'd imagine a lot of the horses you ran on the weekend it was going to be tight for them to get there although Gavin Cromwell wasn't really ruling out that bottler's secret to go. I think there might be a chance of that. Um for any other, I'm not going to go. But I suppose for a young kind of bumper horse, Barry Calopy just didn't want to overphase him. He kinda of likes to give the horses plenty of time. Just as a six-year-old, so hasn't been watched at all. But it, it was a good bumper now in fairness. I think yeah. I was it four of the five had one races. Maybe they might have all won- had one races, but some good ones in there. Like you said, Gordon's horse was too keen to kind of have any chance. But I just thought Finney McGuire was really, really cool on um and this horse of Barry Connells, um, just vote him like he was the best horse in the race. And he was by a fair way. I, I, I'd I, really be watching out for Willie's horse to get a chance now if he did happen to show up to Shetland, Because I actually thought he might have actually improved past Barry Connell's fella after the last one. He looked a bit more green than, than Barry Connell's horse. So um, yeah, I'd definitely be sticking Willie's horse, on the track, horse in the tracker as well because he looked like a big kind of raw horse the day that they met.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. The horse from Navin definitely has a chance. That's a point-to-point winner as well, isn't it? Um. The, the other thing there is just um, Barry Connell as well, as I say, he comes out with some lines. He One of the things I think he said after the race yesterday was that Finney Maguire, who is a very good rider, and he probably is very underrated in truth, um, he seems to ride very little in bumpers, doesn't he, on a, on a general basis. Yeah, you come to the likes of Galway Festival, he would be on one of the hot pots in the GPT or one of those other races there. But uh, I think Barry Connell said something like, oh, he says he's, he's ridden for me four times this year and won three. I thought God, it's some record. I look it up, it's not true. <laughs> I think he's ridden, um, he's ridden eight or nine times from him and has won three in fairness, but um not, not quite four rides and three wins. Uh, anyway, one other thing from the weekend was the Saudi Cup. Johnny, this would be your kettle official of fish. You love all this flat <laughs> stuff. Um Senor Buscador wins the Saudi Cup. I was looking this up earlier. I what what what's astonishing here with the money that horse won, right? Constitution Hill would have to win the champion hurdle. For each of the next thirty years, to win the same prize money that horse won for a race in Saudi Arabia the other day—that that's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, and then we had the other two: we've Terra London and Luxembourg. Terra London won one point three eight million by winning over there, and Luxembourg finished fourth. Spirit Dancer Oshinor won that, of course, for Sir Alex Ferguson and his little syndicate. What you make of it all, Johnny?
2: Yeah, I I didn't watch any of it to be honest with you. Um, you know, the the races that uh as you say, Vinny, I think is a twenty million or so prize money for the Saudi Cup. Um like I, I always find this weird in racing. Like there is literally like when, when the race when the when the World Cup is on in Qatar or the live golf or whatever it is, like there's so much like uh, scrutiny of it in other sports. And in racing, like there literally isn't a conversation about should we be sending horses over to Saudi Arabia? Uh, for to take Saudi money basically off the government with its very very questionable human rights record and all of that. Now I'm not saying like if if, if I own the horse I don't think it's necessarily black and white what you do here. But there isn't even a debate in racing. There's no chat whatsoever about is it is it justified to send horses over um to Saudi Arabia um, and all of that. So I, I to be honest I I I wasn't watching it on Saturday. I don't racing in the Middle East doesn't really do it for me full stop. Um but like. You know, I, I don't get much satisfaction from watching racing in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has made all its money basically from um, from oil. Oil is utterly destroying the world, and here we are having 20 million for a horse race when there's so much wrong in the Middle East at the moment as well. Um, that you know, this money could clearly be spent better going to somewhere like gas or whatever like that. So it's obscene, but that's the world we live in.
0: Well, horse racing has a tendency to be involved in a lot of obscene things, isn't it? The, the other one that did, that got me, I wrote a blog about it this morning, but I wasn't really going to go into it in this discussion, but uh, affordability checks in the UK. The the bottom line is that the affordability checks, whether they're right, wrong, or should be tweaked in some way, they're, they're there to try and protect some really vulnerable people who... Do their brains in back in horses and lose control completely and everything else. But yet, horse racing as a sport doesn't want that to happen. They want them to keep gambling because the more they gamble, the more horse racing gets in revenue. And that this is—it's—it's it's a crazy situation. It's like the, as you say, the the Saudi situation where the sports washing or whatever horse racing turns a blind eye to all of these things because it, all it wants is money. That's the end of. So, so Vinny, you... Vin,
2: you're saying that, and I'm not to screen here, you're saying that racing would prefer to have people doing their brains because it would be better for the sport in terms of funding and despite obviously the ethics of that
0: I think so that that's my that's my bottom line on it because it, look you, what, what is the government in the UK trying to do here they, they may be doing it with a bit of a sledgehammer to crack a nut idea but the, the bottom line is they're trying to somehow change the legislation to protect vulnerable people who do, and we know there are people who have real problems with gambling. we've seen it all here. You've seen all the headline stories of people who've you know, lost houses, lost families, lost everything because of it. And horse racing as a sport should be trying to protect those people as much as the government is. But instead, they want, oh, no, don't be putting affordability checks on these people, don't be making it any harder for them to bet, let them bet away, because if you don't, we're going to lose, as they say, up to 50 million in revenue, they reckon, that they'll lose i i don't see that as being ethical to be honest with you it's it's a it's a fascinating debate i can see certainly
2: the couple of the two sides to it because i i would worry greatly about the racing structure in terms of um how it's funded going forward like if you look at the betting exchanges the loss of turnover on racing in the last say as a two or three years is, is astronomical like and i am yeah. not sure what exactly is the reason for it, affordability checks but like vinnie if you look at even anecdotally now you look at the the exchange markets before the race and you can see the figures have changed in terms of the money to back money to lay and i think it's down roughly it's roughly cu- been cut in half in the last few years and then on the on the side of like the conventional bookmakers um racing's share of the pie is probably getting smaller and smaller and um, and now in ireland obviously the FEI is looking for um, a third, an added percent to be added to um, the betting tax to support other sports. So, uh, racing's funding in terms of a going concern for me would be—I'd be really, really worried about this. But like, if you have a racing post campaign, the racing post has been influential in the campaign, and that's fair enough. But the racing post, like, it, it derives revenue from the betting on the on the website, so obviously, it's it's, it's crucial to the betting post, the racing post as well, that it can sustain itself going forward um but but i do feel that racing in terms of people betting on it like and the affordability checks it is it is coming to bite anecdotally what i'm hearing from england is that people are very worried um so we we definitely should be worried about this
0: yeah or or find a different model like, like mm. look they're making it sound catastrophic that oh my god if these affordability checks come in racing it's the end of racing they're talking about one in every seven stable staff losing their their jobs. I, I don't see that. Personally, I don't have to say. I think the other thing is that one of the things, one side of this, okay, there's there's different ways that the industry earns money out of betting operators, but one of them is through sponsorship. I don't think the sponsorship will go down at all because of this, uh, personally. I, I think that the bookmakers themselves, these online operators, they realise that horse racing is like the gateway drug to the, the bigger stuff, the slots in the casino, they know that from, they can see that across all their, their, their different um, outlets, that the way it works is people tend to start backing on things like horse racing, and then they progress to these other ones. That seems to be the standard way it goes. So you can see it, that the, the amount of advertising money they spend, they're spending about, I think it's around, there's... I'm trying to think of the numbers here and now, but I think it's 80 million is spent by the British um bookmakers on sponsorship of sports outside of the Premier League and football. Outside of football, they spend 80 million. The vast majority of that is on horse racing. Um, they sponsor nearly every race at the stage, don't they? They're sponsoring jockeys and trainers and all the rest of it. So I, I can't see that stopping just because they, they lose a bit of revenue overall, but and and on top of that. The turnover on horse racing is down, as you say, I think it was down 900 million in 2022 compared to 2021. So it is falling, the turnover on horse racing. But that's just the nature of it, it?
2: It's funny as well, like racing's relationship with gambling has always intrigued me because um, racing is, you know, to some extent, it's a little bit corrupt. We all know that, you know, horses aren't always trying or whatever, and that's the nature of the game. Um, But like racing um, is utterly reliant on people betting on it. To it, it, can't really survive over here without because it doesn't go. It's not going to be just backed up by the government like in Saudi or whatever. So it needs people betting on it to survive. Yet a lot of horses with big connections, you know, are are not off half the time, and they don't really give a shit if, if punters are backing them and backing a dead one. And um, that's kind of the nature of it as well. Yeah. Like and that's the game we're in. But at the same time, if people don't have faith in betting on it or they can't bet on it, we're screwed.
0: But but you see, this is the thing. I've look look. I'm not going into the full debate on it. But the thing that absolutely drives me mad and always has, is the fact that punters, when they go to the races, they're not even second class citizens. They're third, fourth, or fifth class citizens when they go there. Owners are lauded by everybody, and it's all there's, there's a you know. You, you've got owners getting free lunches, owners getting tickets for all their friends to go. Owners are, you know, this, that, and the other. You could actually run horse racing without owners. I've always thought that was a possibility. You just have, you just need horses. You don't need anyone to own them necessarily. You just need the horses, and um, you, you wouldn't even need prize money then if you didn't have owners. You could just, ha- you could just run the whole thing on itself ultimately. But you can't run it without punters. It's all the money that the punters are bringing in is the absolute core issue for me. And yet they've always been treated terribly. And again, here, horse racing is saying, Oh yeah, we love you now because you're bringing in the money, but we don't want you to stop is the other side of it. So like I, I find it very difficult to be honest with you. What do you think, Emma? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um it's kind of a bit deep into this, I suppose. Yeah, I I'm not hmm. sure if you could run racing without owners or who would pay the trainers? Would it be the, the bookmakers? Well, yeah, no, that the would system probably... pay them. You
0: know, like <laughs> like you just you just run horses. It's you know that's the simple thing, isn't it? You just you you put you put a hundred trainers out there with fifty horses each, whatever it is you want the system. If you start from scratch here, you don't actually need someone to own the horse. The system can pay for them. You just you put them in training, they all run in races, and the system runs away. And the money that you would have given in prize money, you just give back to the trainers to run the horses. And um, just in yeah, theory, you could do it.
1: I, look, I, I can see kind of both sides of the arguments to it. I thought the racing posting during the week was interesting enough about um the going undercover and contacting the legal bookmaker. Um, Apparently, there's been lots of customers driven to that um kind of underground bookmaking. I, I'm not really sure to be honest, um, I, I presume Look, it's, it's definitely a big worry for the sport and hopefully they can get it sorted out because I do think it would have fairly big effects on it, on the whole thing. Um, just if it's getting harder for people to gamble on the sport, there'd be less people looking to, I suppose, if you're starting to gamble on racing, you're not going to want to go through all these checks. I suppose people who are kind of more seasoned into it, you're kind of betting anyway, you're going you're gonna to probably do it at some stage. But I, I do think it's a big worry and um, maybe probably I know there's probably been more talk about it in the last year or so but um probably still kind of lying a bit too low in the radar I'd say for the danger it actually poses to the sport.
0: We'll know a lot more this week because they're they're meeting in the in Westminster today um to have a discussion about it at least so we'll see where it all ends up in a few weeks time no doubt. And um, lastly horses to follow. Emma, what was the one that really took your fancy from the week?
1: Um, I suppose, look, there's loads of kind of high-profile ones you'd pick. I suppose, like the bumper horse yesterday was kind of the obvious one, but I'll give one that was actually beaten. I think um, one for the trackers, probably Pax. He ran in uh, Punchestown on Wednesday, I think. It was the third Maiden Hurdle run, and I'd say put him in the trackers for the handicaps because he was fairly eye-catching. Um, even jumping the was jumping the second last, he looked kind of well out of it, and he made up plenty of ground, kind of came back on the bridle quick enough. Um, he was kind of a fast-finishing fast fourth. Um, yeah, and I'd say he, he probably has a handicap definitely, and it'd be interesting to see what kind of mark he gets.
0: Very good, Johnny. Did you find one from during the week?
2: Yeah, it's not uh, it's not really rocket science now, but just on the picture, i I said this before the show. We might talk about it again, maybe coming up to Cheltenham. But um, like Paul Paul Nichols is becoming a he's becoming a parody at this stage. Like Callum to Burley, who they think is I mean again maybe it's the same with Caldwell Potter. They think he. Like he could be a gold cup horse or whatever but like he wins the adonis and like you no know, sooner has he crossed the line and he's ruling cheltenham out it's like he might go to entry. like he paul Nichols like i if, considering he he actually had two winners at the meet last year um is his indifference to cheltenham is staggering to me for a, for a trainer from that neck of the woods um anyway so bottle secret if he, he's obviously a horse that could run in the triumph and this is going to be a tough one for gavin cromwell and connections because i i know they, they like this horse a lot but as you say vinnie we're two weeks away so two and a half weeks away on when bottle secret won and he said it, he said after the race he didn't he didn't have him that long for some reason or another he didn't get into anything, but he said he didn't have him that long like if you look at his his ephemeral flat career this horse is, has a lot going for him potentially as a hurdler um, and if he doesn't go to, I, I think it's an easy call if they don't go to Cheltenham because, I mean, he's looked a bit green early on in the race at his hurdles. But I love the way this horse went about his business. I just love the way he's saving himself. And Ruby Walsh spoke about was racing a bit behind the bridle. Um, if he can keep kind of, he's going to become a very endearing horse, a spotler secret wherever he goes, I think.
0: Good stuff. All right. I'll give you one as well for what it's worth. Desert Morehouse. He's the um, Kerry national winner from Listole. Martin Brazzle ran him in a pertemps qualifier on Sunday. Uh, the race was won by Noble Birth, uh, Eric McNamara and Daniel King, who'd ridden the um, Tony Martin horse earlier on the flat during the week in Dundalk. But anyway, Desert Morehouse finished third. Um, I think the second horse is probably a fair horse of uh, Gigans as well. Desert Moorhouse is £20 lower over hurdles than over fences currently in Ireland and would want much better ground. That soft to heavy ground wouldn't suit him at all, I don't think. I think he'd be looking at something like yielding. Yielding to soft, to be more his kettle of fish. So I think Martin Brasley is some trainer, and if he can't get a win out of Desert Moor House of so 20 pounds lower over hurdles in the next couple of weeks or months, I'd be shocked. Anyway, that's it from now. Thanks for watching, everyone, and um, make sure to subscribe to our channel, and we'll be back again next week with more chat about the Irish racing situation. Thanks for watching, bye for now.